This is the sounds of Andrew McCarthy talking about the Sussman trial. Michael Sussman, the disgraced lawyer, so-called for Hillary Clinton, who, well, very, very clearly, in my judgment, lied. He, well, he lied. I mean, it's in the text messages. That's my judgment that when you say you're lying and your text messages shows that you lied and that you lied, then it's my judgment that you lied. But Andrew McCarthy about this guy, Sussman, getting off. I think the jurors statement that like there's more important things going on in the world than this case you know there's not a juror in a, unless you're sitting on a case that involves like um you know the crime of the century you're always able to say that the case that you happen to be sitting on is not the most important thing going on in the world that's not a reason not to apply the law to the fact yeah well it was an attempted coup but then again, these jurors all lived in D.C. So Sussman gets to walk around saying that he didn't commit the crime of lying to the FBI. And they're pretty happy about that. But then they went after Peter Navarro. And it's all of a sudden sort of a, a, a different circumstance, though, don't you know? See, here's the problem. When you start using the former justice system as a cudgel, to go after political opponents. In the case of Navarro, he'll describe how they did this. You end up in a back and forth. And what happens is eventually one side wins. And then they outright own the former Justice Department. Do you think that ends going after political opponents? It doesn't. It becomes a full-on purge. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. It is, believe it or not, house buying season. Um, our partners at American Financing at AmericanFinancing.net can get you a locked rate for 120 days. Meaning if the party does decide to change the rates, well, you're locked. 120 days. It's AmericanFinancing.net. On the heels of Andy, or pardon me, of Michael Sussman being allowed to walk after he sent a text message to the FBI saying, I'm not working on behalf of any candidate, which he was. That's actually a lie. Hi, FBI. My good friend, Jimmy. I'm not working on behalf of any candidate, except he was working on behalf of a candidate. Well, it wasn't connected to that candidate, except she paid for the fake research Hillary did. So he gets to get off and he was in Washington, D.C., where everybody benefits from big government. Everybody understands that outsiders are a great big threat to the Capitol. We can't have that. Andrew McCarthy, who is not particularly, I mean, he doesn't go beat the drum for President Trump, <laughs> prefers President Trump to the alternative by about a thousand times, as does everybody I think who listens to this podcast. But he is also a former DOJ lawyer. DOJ lawyer. He talked about the reality of the Sussman trial and, and how that happened. And as we listen to this, I want us to then you have an opportunity to compare that against what just happened to Peter Navarro, a former Trump advisor. You know, Sussman's running around saying, you know, I'm glad the jury found that I didn't lie and I was falsely accused. What the jury, it was unavoidable that he didn't tell the truth. I mean, what he told the FBI, what he told the FBI was wrong. Now, the jury may have found that it didn't make a difference because the FBI wasn't really fooled by it. But to the extent that Sussman's running around saying that, you know, he, he's been vindicated that he didn't lie, that's ridiculous. And again, you know, the attitude of this juror shows what the big problem in terms of how this case was constructed or this trial was constructed by or presided over by the judge. This shows the problem. This judge thought um, that 
he could simply tell the jury that neither Hillary Clinton nor Donald Trump was on trial and that that would somehow make all the political overtones in it go away so that it would be safe to see people who were unabashedly pro-Clinton Democrats and anti-Trump Democrats. And that's crazy. There was no way the government was going to get a fair trial under those circumstances. And I think the jurors statement that like there's more important things going on in the world than this case you know there's not a juror in a, unless you're sitting on a case that involves like um you know the crime of the century you're always able to say that the case that you happen to be sitting on is not the most important thing going on in the world that's not a reason not to apply the law to the facts it's insane. It's insane and it's insulting. So so that was Brian Kilmeade's show. It's Brian's uh, radio show. It's not just that. This isn't an important case. There's more important things to ponder than did a presidential campaign turn to the FBI to employ them as hatchet men against their opponents. That's not the crime of the century. An effort to rig an election and getting caught is not the crime of the century. And then having failed to rig the election, then going about a, what you might refer to as a rolling coup, that's that's not, no, in the eyes of people who live in the, in the DC beltway, it's not. When you live amongst crime, white collar, they call it crime, and grift and cons and when you you're you benefit economically from the draining of the treasury when you can be 31 years old and worth six million bucks because you help people lobby you you help them get meetings you're 31 you have a net worth of six million bucks how? Because you know congressmen. Because you know people. Because you can make a phone call and say, hey, I'm working for a new client. Could we get some time on the congressman's schedule? I think the congressman will recognize his name, which is code for he's a big donor. They, they, they all benefit from this. And... The comparison to, to anything resembling law and order is, is so farcical because you know the comparison as well as I do with General Flynn and what they did to him. We all know it. But what about this? Who was the prosecutor who, who did to Navarro what he's done? We'll talk about that. Peter Navarro having been arrested. What about Eric Holder? When Eric Holder was, was convicted of, or, of, of what was it again? Oh, yeah, lying. And, and what, what happened when he was held in contempt? What, what did they do to him? Well, there was a vote on that. There was a congressional vote on holding Eric Holder in contempt. And crazy thing was, it, it wasn't a particularly partisan vote. It was about two-thirds in favor. So Eric Holder, his contempt charge Congress was a, a vote of 255 to 67 in favor of charging him with contempt. This was around the time that Eric Holder said in a, what was it like, a couple hours of testimony, he uttered the phrase, I don't recall, or a derivative of that, like about 162 times. I don't recall. Did you mean this? Yeah, I'm not able to remember. So what about this? Yeah, I don't recall. No memory. So what did Eric Holder do that night? Ben Dominich points this out. What did he do? He went out to dinner. In D.C. Unafraid of being arrested. I remember I was in New York City during the housing crisis. And <laughs> this was when people were losing their houses. The economy was tanking. The presidential election was put on hold because John McCain foolishly said, I'll go rescue the economy. 
And plus, Barack Obama will make a fine president. Don't don't fear him, my friends. I saw the so-called CEO. What was his name? Stuart Rains. I saw him eating in a New York City restaurant that night. I didn't know who he was, but the guy I was eating with did. He was having um, the seafood extravaganza. And I'm not kidding. It was like eight layers of seafood. It was he alone ate there. He he was eating by himself and he paid uh, probably around eight hundred dollars for that meal. This is this this is this comparison. What's going to happen is we're going to have Stalin-esque trials. What do I mean? I mean, we're going to have one on Thursday. We'll talk about it on Wednesday. For some reason, the Democrats have decided to hold the January 6th hearing for prime time. Gosh, I wonder why. I wonder if they're going to have a bunch of video of violence. I wonder if they're going to, I wonder if the Republicans are going to play Nancy's game. We're going to talk about that on Wednesday. See, you're supposed to understand something. As an elected official, you are subject to a power so far greater than you. We'll talk about that and the biblical implications of all of this. Peter Navarro describes how he was arrested in a second. But before that, do you remember something that Peter Navarro said about the Fouch? Does anyone remember this? Here's your future, Tony. Republicans are going to sweep and take the House back from Nancy Pelosi. And as soon as that happens, you're going to sit your ass down in a chair in Congress and you're going to confess to creating the virus that's killed almost a million Americans now. We're going to fit you for an orange jumpsuit, Tony. You can count on that. He said it. I believe Fauci should go to prison. I think Fauci's a murderer. I'll make the case. If not a murder, negligent homicide. I believe I could make that case anywhere, anytime, in front of any jury, anywhere, against any lawyer, any lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. But I believe you put me in front of a jury, I'll send Fauci to prison. Unless the jury's in Washington, D.C., they'll send me to prison. That sounds suspiciously like President Trump talking about the intelligence services. President Trump was right. They were spying on him. President Trump was right. They are the deep state. Fauci is the deep state. The problem is not that he said the thing, it's that he's right. The reason that they're arresting everybody in these ways is because they're right. If Trump had said these things and the FBI knew it not to be true, they go, look at this joker, look at this clown. He's going to try to make the case that we, the FBI, are involved in politics, that we, the FBI, are rigging things, that we, the FBI, are, are, are spying. Look at this fool. That's not what they did. They, they quadrupled down on the lies. They, they rolled the, the rolling coup for almost four years. So the, the problem is not that, 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 that Navarro said this. It's that there is a case. Fauci continues to want to stick it in kids with this mRNA stuff, this nonsense that now, by the way, gosh, the Irish, Irish news, Irish newspapers have picking up on the fact that there is a massive link between kids getting shot up with the mRNA trash poison and getting heart problems. They're publishing it. Same in Israel. Israel's notice. Well, golly gee, will you look at that? There's a strong link between the mRNA injections and heart disease. Wow. Wow. We just found this out. But somehow listeners to my podcast and radio show have known this for three years. Thank you, the Lord, for revealing this to us. All the credit to God. So here's Navarro describing the way he was arrested. And this, does this sound familiar? This, do they do other people this way? Did they do Sussman this way? Did, did, they go, did they go grab him in public and frog march him? No. That's not done to members of the party. Instead of coming to my door where I live, which, by the way, is right next to the FBI, instead of calling me and say, hey, we need you down at court, we've got a warrant for you, I would have gladly come. What did they do? They intercepted me getting on the plane. And then they put me in handcuffs, they bring me here, they put me in leg irons, they stick me in a cell. By the way, just historical note, I was in John Hinckley's cell. They seem to think that that was like an important historical note, okay? That's punitive. That, that what they did to me today violated the Constitution. Instead of coming... Yeah, to us, instead of just knocking on the door. It's right next door to the FBI. They did this because they wanted the footage. 
They did this because they're telling him, Peter, this is how we're going to do you. Because you stepped out of line. You called out the party. And, and the, gosh, everybody needs to understand this. Because I'm going to play you a clip, and it's a long one, of, of Navarro talking on MSNBC to Ari, Ari Melber about this. And they have a conversation where Ari Melber's trying to say, hey, you said if you guys got reelected, you're going to go after Fauci. So how are you upset that they're going after you? And Ari Melber's trying to make it the same thing. Well, there's a big problem with this. The January 6th committee is not a real committee. It has no constitutional prerogative for investigating private citizens. That's the job of the DOJ, the FBI, state police, local police. It is not the job of Congress. They've been granted extra constitutional powers to seize people, to demand people give them records. They have no right to have. This has been invented for them. They now are operating without any limits because a mobbed up party judge said, yeah, we don't really need those limits. So there's a huge, huge difference here. On the other hand, Fauci, a government employee with great big, huge commissions from Big Pharma, God knows how much. I mean, we have an idea. We know the money that we know, but we don't know the money we don't know. And I bet it dwarfs what we do know. That is Congress's prerogative to investigate. And if they find things, then refer it to the DOJ to try to get the DOJ to take something up. That is their prerogative. They look after the taxpayer money. They get to have committees that do this. They don't get to investigate private citizens and Navarro's a private citizen. So there's a massive difference to this. But here is a little detail that Julie Kelly found. I'm, I'm trying to get Julie back on the show, but she is so insanely busy. She's super, super cool on, a, um, on email and direct message. But man, we just keep missing each other. She points out that the guy who has indicted Navarro for contempt of Congress has a fascinating background. So he's uh, apparently the guy who told them, hey, go arrest him at the airport or, you know, get, get me some footage. Let's let's frog march this guy. This isn't a phone call. This isn't a knock on the door. Hey, Peter, we're right next door with the FBI. It's a 10 minute walk. Can you come over? No, 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 no. I want this guy. I want him frog marched. Here's Julie Kelly talking about this this uh, U.S. prosecutor, U.S. attorney, Matthew J. Graves of the District of Columbia. Really? Assistant Director in Charge, Stephen S. Um, Stephen D. Antiano. Antiano, sorry, I'm not wearing my glasses. FBI Washington Field Office. Here's Julie Snow. Matt Graves is a Biden campaign advisor whose wife is a head of a left wing radical nonprofit in Washington, D.C. Steve D'Antonio, got it, was head of the FBI Detroit Field Office responsible for the Whitmer kidnapping hoax. <laughs> another attempt by the FBI to interfere in an election. So we all got this. It's the mob, the party mob versus one guy, actually versus us. Navarro being a guy who speaks the language of populism. Let's make sure it's always constitutional populism. I beg us. You know what? Mob rule from the right is going to be just as bad as mob rule from the left, because once it's mob rule, there's no constraints. Right. At that point, it becomes very, very quickly ungodly. Our Constitution, I believe, was inspired by God. I believe that it recognizes God. In fact, I don't need to believe that. That's self-evident that it recognizes God because it recognizes God as our authority. It recognizes that our rights come from God, not from anyone else. It recognizes all of that. So let's make sure it's constitutional populism. But Navarro is a guy who is in their way to get the D.C. world back from us, which makes it unbelievably frustrating for me to share this with you. I am just baffled at President Trump's endorsements. The Mehmet Oz, who has dual, dual citizenship in Turkey, who is a big fan of shooting kids up with wrong sex hormones and chopping them up, who hung out with Oprah and, and, and the Obamas 
is apparently going to be, well, he is the GOP so-called Senate candidate from Pennsylvania. President Trump endorsed him. I'm, I'm utterly baffled. He has also endorsed Kevin McCarthy. So while we're speaking of the party, does anyone remember Kevin McCarthy's conversation with his dear, dear friend, Liz Cheney? I find this utterly baffling why he would endorse Kevin McCarthy. And I've asked listeners to weigh in on that. I'll give you some of the responses. I asked them on Twitter. Some of them are very interesting. Some of them are very interesting indeed. Uh, it is a bone frog coffee weekend. People think I was kidding when I said I took bone frog to California. I got a note from someone saying, hey, was that theater of the mind? Did you actually take a bag of bone frog coffee to your hotel? I did. And look, <laughs> let me defend this this way. I used to live in Northern California. I used to live in um, San Mateo. And I know this is the first place I ever was when I was out to a nice dinner and a, a, a couple brought their own wine in. I remember looking, oh, that's not going to go over. You know, bring your own wine to a, to a restaurant. And, but no, they took it and they, they uncorked it for them and let it breathe. And then what's the name of the dude who does wine? What's that called? Is it a concierge or a, what's, it's not wine dude. What's French for wine dude? Dude. I don't know what it's called. I, I don't like wine culture. But they, they drank, the, he un, uncorked it and the, the wine expert came over and they let him have a swig of it and he swished it around in his mouth and did that <laughs> thing. It's just so gross. He didn't spit it out, he actually swallowed it. Uh, okay, you can do that. So why wouldn't I not take in fine bone frog coffee to a decent hotel in California? Why would I be embarrassed to that? All I asked was for a French press. I'm not drinking any other coffee. I'm boycotting all the other coffees. Well, because it's the taste. Well, yes, they're partner of the show, but it's the taste. I can't do it. I did. I told you about like three weeks ago, I decided to taste test my former coffee. It's gross. And someone sent me a note and said, are you going to just, just one time, I want you to go back to Starbucks to see what you, no way. No, no, no. Not when they're also involved in uh, the chemical mutilation of kids with the mermaid society, whatever it is in, in England. Then there's also the special deal only for you. 5% off the bone frog. Bonefrog.us. Remember I said .us. Bonefrog.us. Only place you get 5% off the subscription plan. Get on the God Country Team team at Bonefrog.us. So I am baffled that in the light of the Sussman trial, where, where you had McCarthy being no help, McCarthy's going to be no help on the show trial coming up January on the January 6th show trial with his dear, dear friend, Liz Cheney at the helm with his other dear, dear friend, Nancy Pelosi. He's not going to be any help. President Trump, for some reason, has endorsed McCarthy. Here he is chatting with his dear, dear friend, Liz Cheney. Liz, you on the phone? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I guess there's a question. When, when we were talking about the 25th Amendment resolution, um, yeah. and you asked if, if, you know, what happens if it gets there after he's gone, is, is there any chance, are you hearing that he might resign? Is there any reason to think that might happen? I've had a few discussions. My gut tells me no. Um, I'm seriously... Thinking of having that conversation with him tonight. I haven't talked to him in a couple of days. Um, from what I know of him, I mean, you guys all know him too. Do you think he'd ever back away? But what what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to call him. My this, this is what I think. Um, no one will pass the house. I think there's a chance he'll pass the Senate even when he's gone. Um, and. I think there's a lot of different ramifications for that. Now, I haven't had a discussion with the Dems that if he did design, would it not happen? Now, this is one personal fear I have. Um, I do not want to get into any conversations about him pardoning anything like that. I mean, the only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass, and it would be my recommendation we should resign. Um, I mean, that would be 
might take, but I don't think he would take it. But I don't know. This is the same McCarthy who wanted us shut down by Facebook because we questioned the election. He said it. Facebook needs to do more to corral us. Why is President Trump endorsing this person? Some of the responses um, from Twitter are, well, some of them are very good. Some of them make sense. One guy said, hey, Todd, DJT plays the long game. You got to understand, trust his plan because his plan is working. I, 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 I don't get it. <laughs> to empower this guy McCarthy with the Trump endorsement, I don't, I, I'm not seeing how that is long game stuff. And, and forgive me, I don't get it. In the Mehmet Oz thing, I, I don't get it. And, and, and there's some other explanations. Like, um, okay, this, this is from Steve. We had, we had a, a give and take on this in relation to Trump um, endorsing this guy, this guy McCarthy. And I just asked the question. Someone needs to help me understand this. Trump always goes with the people who he thinks will win. I guess to him, having the majority is more important than the individual votes in this context. Trump is, after all, a centrist, more practical, not very ideological. And I replied, interesting, thank you. May I ask what McCarthy's done to help Trump win? And, and Steve wrote back and said, hey, Todd, I think maybe you misunderstood me. Trump endorses people who he thinks will win the election. I'm not sure he wants to keep his record. I'm sure he wants to keep his record as close to 100% as possible. Isn't incumbency the most difficult thing to overcome, especially with the ongoing fraud in California? And I again wrote back and said, I can understand that view. But I'm asking what McCarthy has helped Trump do while he was in office. Wasn't the fight against the swamp? Didn't McCarthy try to silence Trump supporters? What does winning mean right now to DJT? Just endorsements? And he wrapped it up. In my opinion, McCarthy's only redeeming quality is that he's supposedly a Republican. I'm in no position to predict how or why Donald Trump does what he does. However, I do believe he's being a very long game. And maybe McCarthy promised him reliable votes as needed. See, and, it's, and again, it's back to the long game. So there's a lot of people who are viewing this as the long game. But the long game towards what? So maybe President Trump sees something I don't, but I know McCarthy, not like Trump does, but I've spent time with McCarthy, not like Trump does. He is as shiny-shoed Republican as they come. He is as sold out to the party as they come. Let me ask you this. What has he done about Fauci? See, because you can go straight through the deep state. Fauci's deep state, look what he did to the country. Look what he's doing to people's kids. Look what he did to schools. Look what he did to the military. Look at how absolutely 100% conflicted he is and bought off by Big Pharma. Where's Kevin McCarthy? Not a word. Trump can't stand Fauci. And he's saying he made him, he, well, he hasn't said he has made a mistake because he doesn't do that. But he said if he had the opportunity again, he'd fire him. That he should be right out of town. Fauci's a disgrace. He said that Trump is right on that. So this gets to this difference, right? There's the difference. The left portion of the party is further along in using the justice system as a cudgel. They're doing the stolen S stuff like they've done with Navarro. Here's another example. The FBI altered a statement on intrusion into the Democratic network based upon input from who? Michael Sussman. Sussman sends them a note and says, hey, you guys, could you please change what you wrote here in this statement about what happened at the Democrat, uh, in, in the Democrat network into this intrusion? Could you make this change? For us? Oh, sure, Mike, yeah, we'll do that. Peter Navarro, could you please just knock on my door? Could you just call me? I live right next door to the FBI. I'll just come over. No, 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 we need to seize you at an airport. You see, the comparisons are this, and the fear is this, that eventually one side wins, and then one side completely owns the Justice Department. Once they completely own the Justice Department, they're not going to go, okay, all right, all right, guys. We, we won. We have the Justice Department. There's absolutely no one here that's not a party person. Now we can go back to being the Justice Department. Now we can go back to being just, 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 a, um, just an impartial viewer of the law. Just will just enforce the law. Doesn't it never happens that way? Corinthians 6, verses 2 through 5. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? By saints, he means the apostles. If the world is judged by you, are you not competent to constitute the smallest law courts? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more matters of this? Uh, how much more matters of this life? So, if you have courts dealing with matters of this life, do you point them as judges who are of no account in the church? 
Great question. Another way to say that, this is what happens when the government considers itself bigger than God. This is what happens when you have a city entrenched in its own corruption. This is what you get as a precursor to Stalinist purges. They openly don't care that we can see the comparisons. Sussman versus Flynn. Sussman versus Navarro. Team Trump versus Team Hillary. They don't care that we can see the comparisons. Black Lives Matter Incorporated versus January 6th. They don't see that we can see the comparison. Eric Holder versus Peter Navarro. Or versus Steve Bannon. For that matter, Steve Bannon was charged with contempt of Congress. They don't care that we can see that because we're not the ones who matter. The ones who matter are the ones who are still fighting. The ones with power who are still fighting. Elon Musk matters to them. He's in their radar because he took away one of their censorship platforms. Hasn't yet. Hasn't yet, but he could if he buys it, moves through with the sale of Twitter. He could take away their censorship platform. They let Bill Cosby swing in the wind, the rapist Bill Cosby. Why? Because he started to tell young black men, hey, straighten your lives out. Stop blaming Whitey. Pull up your pants. Go to work. So they let him swing in the wind. They don't care that we see the comparisons. And the comparisons matter. Ari Melber is a guy I got to meet way back in the day before he became a big TV star. Smart, smart guy. Actually, to be honest with you, Ari's a nice guy. He is. He's nice. He's a nice person. He works at a ridiculously partisan network, MSNBC. He had a discussion with Peter Navarro. I want you to hear it's a long one, but it matters because the comparison matters. We'll talk about that plus Christian nationalism. <laughs> yeah, this is the big fear of the left is all of a sudden Christian nationalism is their big obsessive fear. Because it's sweeping the, you know, the nation. They can't define it, except, oh, well, it's, you know, abortion. Oh, okay, that's what Christian nationalism means. I'll take that over satanic globalism. Take that, dig that deal any day. Hey, have you struggled um, to do it yourself in some things? Like, eventually, eventually you ask for help. Like, maybe you're someone super, super handy. Let me tell you how much I admire that. I have friends who can build anything uh, my wife and I have started to watch um, a, an online version of a show called Alone. And the things people can build in these like way out there. You talk about off grid, you know, people building basically sweat lodges or like sauna type things, um, building these incredible huts. But sometimes you have to call in help. Uh, how old are you? I'm in my mid fifties. How long have you been pulling up your pants uncomfortably? How long has your waistband been expanding? And talking dude to dude, honestly, how much time do you spend avoiding looking at yourself or even seeing a glance of yourself when you pop out of the shower? Honest with me. And if you're a lady, I've, I've never been a lady because I don't believe you can change your sex or your gender. But I would ask you this, did you used to love to dance? Now you can't because you're uncomfortable with the amount of fat on your body. Let me ask you this. Do you get winded? Like popping out of the, the car, or the truck and, and walking up a brief hill, walking up steps or like you, you arrive at a party. Oh my gosh, look at those steps. Do you fall down a lot? Losing control of your body. I've, I've, I've been there hundred percent. All of that, all of it, except for being a lady. I'm working on that part. I know what it's like. My dad was obese and I love them. It doesn't change who you are. If it's been two years, if it's been five, if it's been a decade, it seems insurmountable. I'm here to tell you it's not. The partners of this program at Soda Weight Loss, SOTA stands for state of the art. When you go to sodaweightloss.com and you fill out the form and you have your consultation, your, your, your no charge first consultation with Soda Weight Loss. They're going to talk with you about the amount of time it will take to drop that unwanted fat from your body. How do they know? State of the art. They're going to talk to you about the cost. How do they know? State of the art. They'll provide you with the foods, the advice, the support. You never need to go in. My wife is going on her 12th successful week with Soda Weight Loss. S-O-T-A weightloss.com. 
6,000 or more. Google reviews, 4.8 average stars. I have talked to people who've lost 150 and 200 pounds, people who took off a quick 40. It's sodaweightloss.com. I fully endorse them, sodaweightloss.com. So this is Ari Melber, and he is talking here um, with Peter Navarro. And Melber's trying to make the case that when Peter Navarro said what he said about the Fouch, and we played a brief version of that earlier, that this means that he shouldn't be mad about them coming after him. I'm going to read from your filing where you talk about leading this charge. Yeah. You say in there, quote, if an incumbent can strip the predecessor of privilege, exactly what you just mentioned, then you say, just imagine what will happen to Biden and his advisors if Republicans win in 24. Quote, if I'm not dead or in prison, I will lead the charge. Okay. So he's saying, just imagine. All right, fair game. That's fair. R. Melber's being fair there. Right, Navarro, you said, if you guys get back in office, look what you guys are going to do. But now you're upset that they're doing it to you. But these are not the same circumstances, but it creates the same phenomena. Whoever controls the government begins to go after their political opponents. That is how governments die. Not that I'm not a big fan of seeing a wholesale change back to constitutional conservatism based upon electing leaders who have respect for God Almighty. I'm all in. But collapsing the government, that's how revolutions go full bore shooting wars. Right? This is, it is such a dangerous precipice. They continue the discussion. What are you threatening? And are you suggesting you, that you, you would be you in a Republican your, White yeah. House? And what will you are do? You bet your ass that I will lead the charge. I will take Adam Schiff and Jamie Raskin and Nancy Pelosi and Luria and all of those clowns and kangaroos. I'll take Biden and every single senior staff member in there. And do what? And, and do what? them with subpoenas. And we'll, we'll start with the impeachment of Biden for what? Ukraine, the southern border, all manner of things he is guilty of and will will subpoena his senior staff. I don't think that's good for the republic, okay? He's right. And you end up in catch-22 situations. It's not good for the republic, nor is an open border, nor is handing out money to your friends, nor is draining the treasury, nor is allowing terrorist groups to run wild. This is the trap that we're in politically. We've got to go after these people politically. You can play nice all day long. They don't care. We've got to keep this in mind. Or this stuff is going to become an icon. Or we're going to think that we should be putting 100% of our time towards this. I am begging all of us to right-size this. It is a political battle. It's important. There's already a winner in the big war and we can get so distracted because Satan loves icons. Like icons of politics. Luke 18 verses 2 through 8. In a certain city, there was a judge who did not fear God, did not respect man. There was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while, he was unwilling. But afterward, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God, nor respect man, because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. <laughs> because the lady's annoying, he's going to give her legal protection. I love that. I mean, it's at least honest. I'll give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day at night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the son of man comes, he will find faith. Will, will he find faith on the earth? By the way, quickly to us is something far different than the Lord. As the Lord views time, quickly to us means something else. But the Lord is already bringing about justice. We see them. We see the gibberish. We see the double standard. He, I believe, gave us the gift of Donald John Trump for us to look and say, there is no hope of being rescued by this political system. 
Navarro continues with Peter Navarro. Ari, uh, I don't with, uh, think, Ari I think executive privilege, George Washington understood this. Jefferson, Adams, they all understood it. I don't think that the destruction of executive privilege and testimonial immunity to stop Trump from running for office in 2024 is a good Democrat bet. And okay. you shouldn't either. But you oh, admit, you okay, but you admit, MSNBC you admit, this you admit that if you end up back in power, Peter, I just want to get this on the record. You admit that if you get back in power, you will be trying to use the DOJ to issue politicized if, subpoenas based you, on Democrats you don't you, like. It's not using the DOJ it's it's basically I will I will push as hard as I can to use the same BS that the Democrats are using now to try to put me in prison for standing up for principle. If they want to play that game, we'll play it right back. They hit us. Okay. We hit them back Here's hard. on that's this topic. That's not what I want, Ari. Let me be clear. I do not want that. Okay. Well, you, want, you wrote it in a court filing and you just said it on air, sir. So it sounds court. like what you want. Let want me play a little bit of what you said about Dr. Fauci in the same vein. I'm going to play this for your response. Take a court. listen handle to what you threatened issues. Dr. Fauci. What's that? <laughs> your future, Tony. Republicans are going to sweep and take the house back from Nancy Pelosi. And as soon as that happens, you're going to sit your ass down in a chair in Congress and you're going to confess to creating the virus that's killed almost a million Americans now. We're going to fit you for an orange jumpsuit, Tony. You can count on that. So this is your agenda yeah, is trying to imprison to your I'll opponents. Stand by that, but that's a separate issue from this issue. He's right. There is a separateness to it. It's a difference of a kind, but not a difference of the universe. He's right. There is a difference. Here, Ari, I, I'm sorry that you would go. Is it because you're pledging a bit? I'm not conflating anything, Peter. You're pledging yeah, 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 abuse of power. It's got nothing to do with what- Okay, stop it there. No, it's not abuse of power. Now, if it's revenge, it's misuse of power. If it's a you hit us, so we're going to hit you, it's a misuse of power. It's not an abuse of power. The J6th committee is. Here's why. Number one, they don't want evidence that's exculpatory. They refuse to ask about the role of the D.C. police beating people up. They refuse to look into the Michael Byrd circumstance. They refuse to answer how many federal agents were in the crowd pushing this along. They refuse to release a whole bunch of footage. They refuse to ask Pelosi and, Mc and, and Mitch McConnell why. Did you say no to extra security? They refuse to ask ask, uh, ask any of these questions. It's uniquely one-sided. Then the judge inventing for them absolutely unbounded extra constitutional rights that don't exist in Congress. They don't get to do this to private citizens. So there is a difference in degree. Coming up this week, we're going to look into the January 6th hearing. Uh, I'm going to go back through a lot of how we got to January 6th. We'll bring on uh, some of the um, some of the, the the testimony, not testimony, but the interview with Julie Kelly. We'll, we'll replay parts of that because on Thursday, the Democrats intend to go full force on this and, and do the primetime Jan 6 Kabuki theater hearing. So this is an opportunity for you to know ahead what's coming up on Thursday on the program when we do that. And we ask at that time that you would bring friends into the show. And maybe this is a way to have them become associated with the show and understand it. Because here's what we're learning. The most potent way for us to grow. And if, if entities like businesses, like this podcast is a business, is not growing, then the business is dying. And I want to be clear. The Lord has blessed us. You've blessed us. We're not dying or anything like that. We're, in fact, thriving. But if you don't put growth into your plan, you cannot continue as an entity. You certainly cannot thrive. Here's what we're learning. 90% of Russia's audience doesn't know that we have this podcast. In fact, more than that, what we are experiencing is 95% of people, once they find out that this podcast exists and they recall, oh yeah, he's the guy who used to be from Seattle who filled in for the Maha, God rest Rush, all those years. Then they want the podcasts. So in reality, by telling your friends about this, you might well be doing them a favor. And as we put and try, even if my own stumbling through it to put God at the center of this, it's an opportunity as well for you to do some evangelism with fellow conservatives to help them 
help, help God have them come to himself through whatever stumbles I make and accidentally get people there. So we would appreciate that. So the comparison is this. Fauci would be investigated by government for acts he undertook as government. That's what it is. Whereas this is now the pursuit of private citizens on a selective basis. Fauci would be in, investigated by an existing committee that actually has both sides and a dividing country on it. That's not what January 6th is. It's hardly bipartisan. We know that because of the so-called Republicans who are on that. We know that because they will not look at exculpatory evidence, which brings us right back full circle to the Sussman trial. So Andrew McCarthy talked in some detail about the problems with this trial with Sussman, the guy who got to lie to the FBI, the guy who was in fact working for Hillary Clinton, the guy who got started the attempt to rig the election after that failed, who helped slow roll a three and a half year rolling coup. You know, Sussman's running around saying, you know, I'm glad the jury found that I didn't lie and I was falsely accused. What the jury, it was unavoidable that he didn't tell the truth. I mean, what he told the FBI, what he told the FBI was wrong. Now, the jury may have found that it didn't make a difference because the FBI wasn't really fooled by it. But to the extent that Sussman's running around saying that, you know, he, he's been vindicated that he didn't lie, that's ridiculous. And again, you know, the attitude of this juror shows what the big problem in terms of how this case was constructed or this trial was constructed by or presided over by the judge. This shows the problem. This judge thought um, that he could simply tell the jury that neither Hillary Clinton nor Donald Trump was on trial and that that would somehow make all the political overtones in it go away so that it would be safe to see people who were unabashedly pro-Clinton Democrats and anti-Trump Democrats. And that's crazy. There was no way the government was going to get a fair trial under those circumstances. And I think the jurors statement that like there's more important things going on in the world than this case you know there's not a juror in a, unless you're sitting on a case that involves like um you know the crime of the century you're always able to say that the case that you happen to be sitting on is not the most important thing going on in the world and yet this one was it was it is a precursor for things to come there are already around the country people who are getting into being district attorneys, state AGs, who are pledging to not enforce laws that don't stand with the party. And I'm going to say this as clearly as I possibly can. This is a splitting of the country the Lord is allowing. You are watching the splitting apart of this nation. I beg you to consult the Lord in prayer I beg you to ask God if you need to move. I feel so incredibly called to say this to you. Please pray. Because they're setting up a system whereby people who stand with God will have no, no defense in the court systems. Where people who don't stand with the party in the cultural revolution will have no defense, will have no protection, will be used only for taxes. That's it. I forget the name of the tax that in some Muslim countries, non-Muslims have to pay. It's, it's more of a tribute. You don't have rights. You have the right to not be murdered by paying that, that, that fee. In a lot of the separate countries like Washington State, you are paying that fee. And you are supporting the destruction of the rest of the country. You are fueling an army of lawyers like this, like Sussman. I don't know Michael Sussman. I certainly have my own logs sticking out of my eyes. I've got my own sins. But I know the system that Sussman represents. It's green. It's money. I don't think Sussman is anything other than a guy who absolutely, dearly loves worshiping money. I would pray for Michael Sussman if I could do it sincerely, but I can't. And so I ask the Lord to give me the ability to do that. See, there is this warning sign coming. The left is now merchandising Christian nationalism as our big concern. MSNBC's Joy Reid 
put out a piece about Christian nationalism and Twitter decided to cause it to trend. They can't define it other than, oh, some people can't have abortions, maybe. So this is Christian nationalism. Well, first of all, Christian nationalism is an oxymoron because Christ Jesus is not a citizen of a country. He's the king of heaven. He's the Lord of all. He loves the people of the world. So Christian nationalism is oxymoronic and electing Christian leaders is well within our rights. We're called to do that. We're called to elect people who respect God because they wouldn't be pulling things like show trials or they would fall out with God. I beg you to ask yourself when this all goes to shooting because absent the Lord's intervention, I believe it will go to shooting. It's we've seen hot pockets of civil war in our country. We've seen political murders on the streets. I am begging you to pray with your family. Do you belong in the cities? Do you belong in the separate countries on this continent, in this supposed nation? Now, of course, God is everywhere. You may well be called to be the light where you live now. You may well be, but understand this. As they are trying to freak people out about Christian nationalism, this weekend there was a bicycle race. And there's a picture of first and second place in third place. And first and second place, they are smooching it up. Third place is standing there. It was a, it was a race of women. Third place, this, this woman has her child, her, it looks like a little girl, on her hip, putting her biking hat on her. She's in third place. The two women who got first and second place are not women. They're men. They're kissing. Isn't it interesting that two men without children, apparently, one would hope, stole a race from a woman who's standing there caring for a child, but we hear about the war on women because they can't kill babies as often as they'd like. A friend of mine wrote this on Twitter, quote Emily Bridges and quote Lily Chant are male cyclists who decided they had a right to enter the women's race. Here they stand, stunning and brave, upon the first and second place podiums at the Thunder uh, at the Thunder Crit race in London. This particular race is unusual in the sense that it offers the same amount of prize money for the men's races as it does for the women's. This past weekend, five out of six of those prizes went to men. In other words, it wasn't for the money. The men didn't steal the trophies for the money. They stole it because they can. I beg you, be in prayer. I beg you to ask the Lord if you should be living where you're living. I beg you to examine in prayer with God whether he's calling you out of your Egypt because he's called his people to gather before. This is the Todd Herman Show. We so appreciate your support. Please go be well, be strong, be kind. And as always, as always, let's all endeavor to be right with God.